0: welcome to the EchoCast, cast the podcast about video game news speculation rumors and reviews i am your host morgan aka bond diesel and this week i'll be covering more baldur's gate 3 news modern warfare 3 announced the division 2 year 5 thoughts and much more a few things before we get started Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A special thank you to all of my patrons, including producer-level patrons Hassan and Horseman, supporter-level patrons P.K., The dawn Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix, and viewer-level patron Zenra. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bond diesel. This week, we have eight topics. Topic number one, let's get into more Baldur's Gate 3 news. Um, I kind of want to just give my uh, continued impressions of the game. I kind of did a review of sorts last week, Um, even though I, I haven't, I still haven't finished the game um, I, I did want to, uh, you know, kind of give my, uh, further impressions, talk about kind of where I'm at, at this point. And I, um, I'm, I'm still really impressed. So, uh, I have a character, my main character, my first character, uh, who I've gotten into act three, there's three acts total, uh, in this game. And, um, it's. I still think the first act, it it just shows um, it. It just it really looks like they spent three years in early access and then obviously multiple years before that developing the game. Um, Act two and three or act two, which I have completed, uh, is really good and has some really good moments and is really interesting, um, but isn't quite as long, isn't quite as thick um you know but it's still pretty fun um i'm only getting into act three and it's still great um i have seen though some sentiment uh from other players that act three you know definitely feels like the one that got the least amount of attention and uh that the endings um maybe aren't as satisfying as everyone wishes they were um and that shouldn't be that surprising right you know they they spent you know, they got direct fan feedback on the first act for years. Uh, and then, you know, beyond that, they've just been, uh, you know, trying to take those lessons and apply them to act two and three. But no feedback is as good as the feedback that is actually on the content. So I don't think it's going to hurt the legacy or the ratings. Obviously, you know, some reviews are starting to roll in from some of the, the bigger outlets. Which um, and, and the the Metacritic score has only gone up. I think last week I reported it was ninety four. Uh, it's now ninety seven with fourteen reviews. I would expect the, that review number to double or so at least, and that that Metacritic score will probably drop a little. It's currently one point ahead of Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I suspect it will end up probably getting down to about ninety five, which is like nothing to scoff at, nothing to not be impressed by it's still wildly uh just awesome and um i I think you know obviously it's i still think this game should be in the game of the year conversation uh it's it's the it's the one game so far that seems like it should uh legitimately challenge you know like i personally preferred uh the jedi survivor um, up until Baldur's Gate 3, this game has taken over my number one spot at this point, um, even though I do expect it to be surpassed by Starfield. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe Starfield's going to be a big dud. I don't think it's going to be. Um, I still think with Starfield, it's going to, it's guaranteed to be a really good game. Um, it has potential to be an amazing game. And so we'll have to see about that. But we have Baldur's Gate 3. Um, it's already uh, an amazing game as far as we can tell. Um, unfortunately, and I, I, don't, I think I may have mentioned this last week, um, I've noticed that you know, following the Baldur's Gate 3 um, subreddit and kind of getting involved in that community just a little bit, mostly so I could try to like learn more about the game and um, get some kind of tips and thoughts from people who have been playing this kind of game for a really long time, um, I remember right after the game released, it already started popping up with people being like real weird about any feedback given that wasn't like 100% praising Baldur's Gate 3. And I understand that especially people who are in early access have been playing this game for three plus years. That they're very invested in it. They've, they've watched it grow and change and improve. And so, you know, they don't want anyone even potentially talking bad about their baby right the issue um that i've noticed is that uh there was a weird sentiment of like there were devs who were coming out and saying things like this game's amazing but you know maybe not every studio is going to be able to do this and and various versions of that and um it had like such weird vibes to me because you know this is a game that I think everyone expected it to be good uh, at least the sentiment i got around it and then before release you started seeing some people being like hey this game might be like a really big deal and then it came out and it's a really big deal and it's interesting that you know we i saw this take pop up here and there on the subreddit of doing this whole like this this dev is scared of baldur's gate three or and then you would go read the tweet or or whatever, and they would just kind of be like, given their perspective as a dev, uh, you know, generally being very positive about Baldur's Gate, and then maybe being like, yeah, this is going to be hard for other you know teams to replicate for whatever reason, um, you know, whether it's because the game, like comparing Starfield to Baldur's Gate three, like there's things that Baldur's Gate three doesn't have to worry about doing that starfield does and so you know some of that development focus and resources are going to go other places that may mean that starfield may have parts of you know some of the genre defining features of these rpg type games uh you know maybe it will have areas where it's not as good as Baldur's gate 3 Uh, but it also will probably have other areas where it's better and you know that's the push and pull of, of game development And so, you know, I saw a lot of these, um, you know, some of these devs come out and saying, I thought some pretty innocent stuff, basically just given their perspective on their experience and things like that. I have mostly I follow a ton of devs, mostly Ubisoft devs, EA devs, um, specifically like Mass Effect and Dragon Age devs, uh, who I think would be in the, the pool of people who would potentially be the most scared of, of this game, who all seem like hyper-positive about it, super excited about it, super inspired uh, by Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and then there's the other issue of that Baldur's Gate 3 isn't perfect. Uh, like I said before, like as you get into the acts, you know, act two and especially three, you know, the, the, the facade starts to crumble a little bit. It's the romances are, you know, the romance at least that I've pursued is great. Um, but it's really just, like, a step past the old Mass Effect romances and stuff. It's not, uh, you know, genre, you know, groundbreaking stuff. It's it's just a little more complicated. It has a little more content, a little more reactivity. Um, but it's not, like it's this like AI system that's generating original responses for every single time you interact with your romance or with anyone else, it's these fairly canned responses and you can run out of things for them to say. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very good, but it's not like taken the world by storm or, um, I I don't, I, I think it is genre defining in some capacity. Um, be, but in a lot of small steps uh, where I think some people are kind of drinking the juice a little too much and acting like you know, Baldur's Gate 3 is this like revolution in gaming. Um, and it and it, it probably isn't, but it's like very good. And it, it probably will make gaming, especially RPGs, better in the long run. This kind of culminated this week in IGN putting out a video by Dustin Bam Ligiri, um, who full disclosure i've watching uh, ign's uh, xbox podcast which i actually at one point really liked a lot um I, i've never really vibed with dustin I, I think that he's um i don't know i just don't vibe with him he's just not my uh, my type of dude and um he did this video where um I think the headline annoys me more than anything that IGN has been pushing really hard and doing this like developers are panicking over Baldur's Gate 3. And it's like it implies that like every developer, especially of RPG games, is like devastated and panicked and, and can't handle that. Maybe Baldur's Gate 3 has, you know, set expectations for RPGs a little bit higher. Well, that's just not the case, <laughs> it, 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 that that's false. Now, if you actually watch the video, um, he focuses in on this tweet thread by a developer I've never heard of from a studio I've never heard of, who I think is making VR games. Uh, so, not to diminish people who make VR games, but I, I think that if you want to be mad about something, especially on social media and Twitter, uh, if, if you want to, f- if you want to find a take. Uh, that maybe isn't popular or isn't the general opinion of a large group of people, uh, but you want to find an opinion to get mad about, you can do that very easily on Twitter. And, and that kind of seems like what happened here. In my opinion, this was very cherry-picked. Now, this particular thread did get quote-tweeted and shared by a decent number of, of devs and people in the industry. Um, but what I noticed is that it's actually ended up being shared and spread more by people um, criticizing it than um people uh, agreeing with it even though there have been some of those and so the whole idea is that this dev basically was saying that you know one they were very positive about Baldur's gate 3 it's not like i've definitely seen some implying that the, the dev was you know trying to tear down Baldur's gate 3 or larian and stuff like that i've not seen that from anyone i um the only thing pushback i've seen is people kind of pushing back on the idea that larian is this like little mom and pop studio that is just barely making it when well, that's just not true they're uh, they're a arguably triple a sized and resourced studio um that just happens to not have a publisher um now that does obviously make funding and stuff a little more complicated um but they seem to be doing just fine but this video that Dustin gets into is he, he it really focuses in on this one tweet thread from this dev who was like moderately, you know, kind of pushing back on like, you know, this this is going to be tough for all game devs to match this exact formula that Baldur's Gate 3 and Larian uh, is showing. Uh, and then some of the quote tweets are supportive, some weren't. Um, and, and this video just kind of focuses in on that. And it's just like my issue with it is that. It it really, um, in my opinion, tried to imply that like every studio and every dev is like peeing their pants over this game, and that they that they just will never be able to do it. And then the sentiment that, um, and I assume this this video decimated it after looking at the the subreddit and seeing some of these, I would say are arguably really stupid takes, um, and 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 like almost like purposeful um uh understandings of what some of these devs were saying about this um it, it really came off as like victim complex stuff to me in the subreddit and then it kind of seems like Dustin picked up on that and decided to to do a video uh pushing that kind of attitude and then kind of hilariously uh, after a lot of pushback a lot of devs the same ones who I found that seemed very inspired by Baldur's Gate 3, who seemed to really be enjoying it. I saw a bunch of them, quote, tweeting this IGN video and being like, this isn't true. Like, we aren't panicking. You know, we're this is awesome. Like what, what they've done is great. And um and Destin has uh, his responses have been really funny where he's been saying, like, everyone wants me to lower my standards for games but i i refuse kind of stuff it's like okay bro like maybe let's tone down the self righteousness here and and maybe realize that you just wrote kind of a clickbaity sensational article that misrepresented uh, the opinions of an entire group of people who have very diverse and unique opinions um i don't know the, the whole saga kind of annoyed me and um, the, this the whole sentiment of like this like self like this like victim complex that a lot of older skate three fans were having and um this kind of like intentionally misconstruing the words and tweets and such of, of a bunch of developers to kind of try to do this whole like they're all against us kind of thing it's like it wasn't real and then now destin made a whole video kind of pushing that take and now we're in this the situation where because if you look under the in the replies of of this video and stuff like they're just a bunch of people being like oh yeah AAA devs suck you know they can't do anything right and they're scared of larian it's like that's not true um and the the, the most annoying part is that ign and destin specifically uh should know and and maybe fans don't maybe people in the subreddit just don't understand how these things work well enough. But Destin does, and IGN certainly does, whoever his editor is and whoever approved this project, they know that the real problem are publishers. Um, You know, devs don't wanna make bad games. you know, and even the management uh, on the dev, on the studio side, like maybe they are a little more corporate, but they still don't want to make bad games and they don't want to put out incomplete games, content, incomplete games, buggy games, all of that stuff. Um, But publishers control everything. They control the money, which is where everything begins. And so if a publisher wants to put in some stupid, you know, live service stuff that the developers never intended and never designed the game around, it's going to happen. If they want to put in a bunch of microtransactions, even though the game wasn't intended to have them, it's going to happen. If the publisher wants the game to come out early uh, or before it's ready and it's buggy and it's a hot mess, it's going to happen. And so it's it really i think more than anything bums me out that destin had an opportunity to take this sentiment of like we should expect more which is fair but he put the focus on devs instead of studios and i think that's um that's the biggest problem and uh you know the 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 and not even studios but publishers and the publishers you know are, are kind of the problem it seems like and if you pay attention to enough devs and stuff like that you'll definitely get that uh that feeling even from people who work for them um uh, one of my good examples of this is that like ubisoft catches a lot of crap they make a lot of bad decisions they make a lot of bad games they haven't put out like a real banger game in quite a while but i would still be willing to say that ubisoft probably has some of the most talented devs in the entire industry Uh, I mean, it's a huge, you know, a huge company the publisher owns. I think they probably have 20 plus studios still. Um, And a few of those studios especially are like supremely talented. And but all of them have talent. Right. And it's, you know, none of these games come out and none of these games get developed to be bad. And, you know, as someone myself, who's a big Division fan, you know, and I've gotten to know a lot of the devs and, and over the years have had a lot of conversations that really lead you to believe like, Oh man, like, if it, and maybe it's just them talking, but I believe them more, definitely more than I believe a publisher. And you, you get all of these stories and all of these situations that you hear about where the, you know, the, the, the team, you know, needed more time or had this cool idea or didn't want to put in this feature and it wasn't up to them. And I, I think, um, I just think this is basically a big issue of just ignorance, of, of, of fans not understanding how these things work and who's really in charge of what. Um, and, and and I only fault fans to a point. I, I think every fan could be more educated, more knowledgeable if they spent more time learning about how these things work. Um, but but really, my beef is with you know a longtime, respected, very experienced, I'm sure very knowledgeable uh, journalist who should be above clickbaity sensational content um and, and especially should be above than pretending to be like this like ultra victim in the situation but that's not what happened it's out there now i've complained about it enough hopefully i'm done even thinking about it uh, let's move on uh story number two modern warfare 3 has been officially announced it's coming out later this year uh, I'm sure they're going to be doing their smattering of uh, story videos and gameplay videos over the next uh, few months. Uh, the, the big thing here is that they are pushing really hard this idea that Modern Warfare 3 is basically just going to be like it's going to carry over a lot of Modern Warfare 2 stuff. And it's it's really interesting because, you know, they didn't do that with the 2019 Modern Warfare to Modern Warfare 2 and and it's i love how they're kind of selling this as a positive but what they're also kind of acknowledging is that like uh this is basically like a multiplayer uh expansion and we're gonna add a new story and it's gonna be 70 dollars for the base version and probably 90 dollars for the deluxe and then probably like 120 dollars for some master version or whatever so um I'm a sucker. I will likely end up being someone who buys this just to basically play this, the, the single player campaign, though, depending on how things go with the acquisition uh, with Xbox and ABK, um, I may try to actually hold off and wait until this does eventually come to Game Pass, because. I'm kinda of burned out on my on Call of Duty multiplayer. Um I always enjoy playing it for a couple of weeks and then I kinda of get tired of it. And it's what I did with um you know Modern Warfare 2. Um I, I've never gotten into um the, the big multiplayer mode. I, I, I just Warzone. I just I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels. It's just like too chaotic for my ADHD brain. I I did like DMZ um it just it kind of got old quick it didn't feel like you were really progressing towards anything um even though it is kind of like a tarkov light which i did enjoy a lot from it um it just never really grabbed me but i'm excited for the modern warfare 3 uh story uh, i found the the story in uh the 2019 modern warfare and then modern warfare 2 to be great um there were some moments during that modern warfare 2 campaign that are just like so fun really really a blast and um I expect the same from this one so um not really hitting on the super hype train for me but is what it is okay uh story number three rockstar is hiring external teams. so um there's kind of this interesting story where you can tell rockstar is kind of gearing up for grand theft auto 6 likely in the next year or two and it seems like part of that uh, was for them to acquire a role-playing server group called cfx.re now i'm going to be straight up and i'm going to admit a ton of ignorance with grand theft auto 5 especially with grand theft auto online and, and especially with the role-playing side of this but my impression is, is and, and one of the interesting things about this story is that um, it seems like this group uh, or at least the owners of it were actually banned, like back in 2015 from Grand Theft Auto Online because they were you know exploiting or, or, or modifying the game against uh, the, the user agreement. this This story is kind of interesting though, because now they've kind of come full circle and how they work for Rockstar, which I'm sure that at least some of their community probably thinks that they're kind of sellouts. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day when it comes to if you have like a hobby or like a something that you just like to do and you can turn that into your job i'll i'll rarely find hate for that uh, unless it's done with toxicity but um it, it, this to me just implies that it, it seems like rockstar recognizes the popularity of the the role-playing stuff um i forget which group it is but uh, there's, you, you know, th- there is a um, a role-playing server uh, where it's like legitimately like pretty well-known content creators and stuff like that. It's like invite only um, and it has like really, really strict rules that like you, you can't break character and like if you do, you get kicked out of the server. Like it's a big deal. And to get into this server is a big deal. Like if you get in, you're pretty much guaranteed at least like a pretty solid uh, viewer base on Twitch and stuff like that, because people want to see what's going on in this server and it's relatively limited. And so I have no interest in any of this stuff. I actually, here's, I'll throw out a hot take that might make some people mad. I didn't like Grand Theft Auto 5. I thought it sucked. I didn't. Um, I get that the characters, like I love Grand Theft Auto 4 and 3 and Vice City and all of those Uh, San Andreas was just, like, one of my favorite games ever. Um, But it's because all of those characters, like, they were kind of pieces of crap. But, like, they still had endearing moments and endearing parts of them. And I just never felt that about any of the characters in Grand Theft Auto V. And I hated switching between characters. I just want to play as one person. Like, I I don't. it, It felt like such a gimmick to me. And then they made the one dude so unlikable. And really all three of them kind of stunk. And I just, I don't know, I I never, I never like just got into it, which was weird because I typically love everything Rockstar puts out, even though I've definitely begun to lean more toward the Red Dead series. Anyways, this acquisition seems like they do recognize the importance of this and it seems like they're going to try to do their own kind of baked in uh, role playing stuff now um, as Grand Theft Auto 6 approaches relatively quickly. Okay, story number four, uh, Star Wars Outlaws had a fan kit release. So, you know, this is kind of, uh, it was kind of a slow week, if you want me to be totally honest. Uh, So we have a bunch of uh, listener questions that will actually probably be even more interesting. But... You know, here we go so uh this star wars outlaws fan kit was actually really cool um, i love the art style and kind of the aesthetic they're going with this game i think Kay vance is a super cool looking character um seems like there's gonna be a lot of interesting stuff to learn about her um nix is obviously this really awesome companion her uh battle droid companion uh it seems like a lot of people are actually thirsty for it which is like super weird but okay whatever you know you do you Um, But he's very interesting. has a cool backstory. And um, I'm really curious about uh, how that's all going to play out. Um, But check out that fan kit. There's some really good screenshots. There's some really good, like, wallpapers and stuff like that that you could grab on to. I'm very excited for Star Wars Outlaws. I've talked about it before, but um, I I really do believe that um, I I think that this is going to be a big coming out party for Massive, um, Ubisoft Massive. Uh, obviously Division 1 and 2 were big hits They sold an insane number of copies um, Very well liked And very well known um, you know, d- Despite what you may see on the internet uh, Especially Division 2 Reviewed extremely well and uh while its existing community may be unpleasable uh and 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 maybe doesn't fully realize how good they have it um it, it you know Massive's a great studio and my impression through the division games was always that man th- this team really seems like they want to make single player story games and they're kind of stuck making these looter shooter you know vague rpg type games where i've 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 just always felt from conversations i've had with their devs to just seeing the way that they've tried to put story into a genre that doesn't really bode well for stories and looter shooters uh and don't give me this destiny crap the destiny story all their storylines which i do keep up with even though i don't care about the game i still am curious are sci-fi movies straight to video crap it's they're not it's they have likable characters. I get it. But their stories are actually kind of junk. There's my hot take. Um, and and it, it's just hard to put story in the looter shooter games because it's so restricted. And so I really believe this Star Wars Outlaws game is going to be a big coming out party for Massive for them to say, like, hey, not only can we make maybe some of the best environments in the entire industry, not only can we have some really awesome Uh, gameplay mechanics and game feel um we we can also have um and and great graphics and all of that you know we can also have a really fun story set in this existing universe uh that is going to have choices and you're going to impact what happens in the story um i I just i think this is going to be a big coming out party and i really hope it leads to more of this kind of thing from ubisoft massive okay we're going to take a quick break be right back Okay, so story number five, Starfield hype and Baldur's Gate 3's impact. So I just kind of wanted to riff on this for a little bit. I've seen, obviously, a ton of discussion about this over the last uh, couple weeks. And what's interesting about it is that I I get that humans are just kind of like this, where it's always about the comparisons. It's always about the this versus that, my thing versus your thing but there's been a couple interesting conversations going on uh, a more immediate one being you know how you know how is Baldur's Gate 3 impacted what's going to happen with Starfield whether it's sales or expectations and so on it should be noted that um Baldur's Gate 3 will be releasing on the same day as Starfield on the PlayStation and obviously Starfield is not coming out on the PlayStation it's going to be Xbox and PC only and this has meant. Uh, it's been in uh Taken by a lot of people as like a a, at least short term exclusivity deal for PlayStation uh, because they're having issues with getting the Xbox Series S uh, to work with the split screen, uh, which I still call BS on. Uh, Supposedly, this game, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, works at least moderately well on Steam Deck, which is like one fifth the power of a Series S. Uh, So if you're able to get all your features to work on the Steam Deck, you should absolutely be able to get them to work on the Series S. I think there's a lack of motivation to develop it for the S, which actually is the more um, is the bigger explanation. But that's just my little conspiracy theory. Anyways, I think that there's this weird implication that people have been like, oh, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to kill all the hype for Starfield and people are going to be un- unsatisfied with Starfield now. And I, I think that's like really weird. One, because like, it's, it's really odd to me that people are being so like, like sitting on Bethesda so hard here. Like, like I don't think people realize that Bethesda, their bad games are still really good. Like fallout four by a lot of Bethesda fans is considered to be mid at best. And it had like almost a 90 Metacritic score. Like fallout four is a really good game. It just wasn't a really good Bethesda game. And, but it's still as good, if not better than almost any RPG that's come out since. Like it's still very good if you look at it you know in, in a smaller scale and i just really i i think it's so odd that people think that like this Baldur's gate thing honestly in my opinion is it's the uh the, the rising tide raises all boats kind of thing like i think that all of this attention on rpgs and really in-depth worlds and gameplay mechanics and stuff those are things that starfield is gonna have like like I said before, there may be some things where, you know, Baldur's Gate Three is 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 more complicated or, or more complete in some ways than Starfield. But I suspect Starfield it'll go both ways. Um, and a really big thing that I think people aren't realizing is that Starfield is this like open world, really in depth, giant, epic RPG. It's gonna have all these little mechanics and relationships and choices and all of that, and you know, skill checks and things like that but it's also gonna have shooting. It's also gonna have first-person shooting. And the simple fact is, is that there's a reason games like Call of Duty come out almost every year and are very similar to every year, but they still sell like hotcakes because people like shooters. And the simple fact is that Baldur's Gate 3 is a turn-based combat game that while it's implemented extremely well, and even though I don't like those games, I've really, I've come to enjoy it a little bit. I would still prefer Baldur's Gate 3 was a more traditional style uh, or at least like a hybrid, you know, real-time action uh, type of game. But I just don't think people realize that Starfield has so many positives that and and it's just in the pedigree of Bethesda and stuff like that. I just I think it's weird. I think this is only going to help. And I really think that Baldur's Gate 3 coming out a month before um, uh, Starfield is going to give people, especially even like me, um, a month to finish at least one run of Baldur's Gate three, and then be excited for a new experience. It's going to be probably similar in scope, right? Um, it's really, but the naysayers on Starfield who have been like praising Baldur's Gate, or it's just so interesting to me because like, you know, they've, they've been developing starfield for like almost 10 years you know like and and it's you know and it's todd howard and it's bethesda and everyone always points to oh, Fallout 76 and it's like yeah oh, yeah i mean that was like kind of a joint project between them and another team and it was kind of a spin off and it was kind of an experimental thing to see if they could make uh, multiplayer work in their ancient engine and it didn't work very well even though it seems to be a lot better now um I just, you have to look back to Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 and Skyrim and you have to look at these games and it's the same people making this game. And honestly, the fact that it's a new IP, the fact that they've spent so much time on it, the fact that they were willing to delay it a whole year, almost, you know, all of these things, I believe it's a formula that Starfield is almost guaranteed to be a very good game. Again, like I said before, but can it hit that amazing Uh, you know level and that's what we're waiting to find out but this this whole rivalry thing that just isn't real (laughs) um and and thinking that like oh now starfield's gonna get sunk because of of Baldur's Gate 3 like people just need to realize that in my opinion at least starfield has a better chance of being as good if not better than Baldur's Gate 3 than it doesn't it's just yeah like Starfield's facial animations on characters is not going to be as good. Sure. But it it may do a hundred other things just as well, if not better. So I hope that they're both 95 Metacritic score games or or, or more, and that they compete real hard with Tears of the Kingdom for game of the year. um, and, And instead of the opposite, instead of hoping that one or the other fails, I hope they both Succeed. Um, another small conversation that I've seen going on, especially as I've gotten more into the the BioWare community, is that there is a there there is a lot of interesting thoughts about how uh, the drag uh, the Dragon Age Dreadwolf devs must be feeling about the reaction to Baldur's Gate Three, and that you know that in theory there's some pressure on them to put out a game that is similarly deep, um, knowing that the Dragon Age games are kind of the spiritual successors to the Baldur's Gate games. If you don't remember, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 were made by Bioware and were kind of some of the establishing work of what led to Dragon Age and Mass Effect and things like that. Um, th- there may be a more direct connection there, but even then, like we, from some leaks, we're expecting Dragon Age Dreadwolf to not be like a turn-based you know, isometric game or whatever that it will likely be um, and it potentially maybe a game that's more action oriented and uh, is even being uh, supposedly said to be kind of like a God of War style combat game that has a bunch of RPG mechanics and choices and things like that. So it, uh, and then there's the even further off conversation of how Baldur's Gate may impact Mass Effect. Now that's a more legit conversation in my opinion, because Dragon Age Dreadwolf is likely like feature and content complete right now. They're just Getting time to bug fix and tighten it up, and, and do all the things they need to do. Where uh, so that means that they probably like they may be able to implement some tiny things that they're inspired uh, from by Baldur's Gate into Dreadwolf, but likely that game's so far along that it's probably not very flexible. Now, on the other hand, Mass Effect, uh, the next Mass Effect, Mass Effect Four, Mass Effect Next, whatever we want to call it, is likely plenty far off for a bunch of the game designers and, and, and the other developers to look at things that, uh, that Baldur's Gate 3 has done that people like. And the thing is, it's not just, they won't just copy it, you know, or at least they hopefully won't. But it's it's not about copying it. It's not even about doing, trying to do the exact same thing because it, it won't work. You know, they're two different types of RPGs, but it's seeing why people love these things. I, I think that's the tough part. And that's the essential part is for these devs, to pay attention to not the exact feature that fans are such a fan of, or or the exact mechanics, but kind of the why do they like those things, and trying to suss that out, so that in your own game and your own systems and its own mechanics, you can try to suss out that same why without necessarily being the exact same mechanic. So i think this whole conversation is is a, a little silly about the like one's gonna hurt the other i think that these will all help each other and they're just gonna make rpgs more relevant and in the in the regular conversation more and uh, hopefully it leads to some more um you know games like this and and and, and to higher quality and so on and so forth so, okay. story number five uh or whatever this one is um this is probably six i think I can't remember Uh, the division Two year five season one thoughts. And so um, we had the season one of year five of the of the division wrap up uh, last week. And um, it was fine. Um, The big thing about this, like from a story and lore perspective, uh, I thought it was kind of boring um, and kind of unfulfilling. Uh, But what they're doing is they're setting up a bunch of stuff for, I assume, the end of this season when the new DLC comes out and things like that. So, I, I can appreciate it for those reasons. Um, I found that this switch up that they've done, where uh, their seasons typically were based around a manhunt. And so, you would have this target that for the season you were going after. And every three weeks, they would release a new lieutenant. So, you'd have to kill their four lieutenants, and that would give you all of the information you, you needed to find. main manhunt target and then you would have a modified mission in the game that you would go into and you would fight this target and then you would complete the season at least from a story standpoint and i found those loops to be pretty good and and they've been pretty solid in, in recent seasons and years um this one switched it up where instead of having a manhunt target you had like a rescue target which meant that you rescued four people over a few months uh, and then they gave you all the information you needed to save the main person. And eh, I get it. I get I like that they're trying to switch it up. I like what they're doing here. It just, I don't know. It just wasn't as exciting. And in my opinion, it just wasn't. And I really don't feel like, like the story they're setting up seems really, really cool. The actual stories they told were just like fine, I guess. Um, so i was a little disappointed with the season um but i do think it's going to lead to some really interesting ones i'm still not super excited about season two either um it will have an incursion which is like a mini raid which i am excited about and supposedly people who've gotten to play test it have been very positive about it i have not seen that firsthand so take that for what it's worth but um it it's really interesting seeing i'm not as in touch with the division community as i was at one point and it's really interesting seeing especially some content creators takes on like a lot of content creators seem like absolutely positive there's going to be like a year six for the division two um and, and it's possible uh they're still expanding their team um we found out last week that uh petter i believe his last name was martinson i should know that Uh, But he used to be one of the the, kind of the comdev dev people uh, back in the day when the Division one and even Division two had state of the game every week. Uh, One of the people who was a mainstay in in that crew was Petter. It was Yannick, Petter and Hamish. Uh, And then as time went on, other people were involved as well. Um, and peder coming back he's been working on some other stuff he's been doing uh he started like a podcast that massive does where it's one-on-one podcast with developers in their studio it's very interesting as well as a series of videos uh where one of their community devs uh just shows kind of day-to-day life in a big triple a studio and um in this like hyper modern studio they just built and so um it's cool to have Petter back it definitely makes me happy so now we have Petter and Yannick. But all we have left is we need to pull in Hamish again and have the, the triumvirate or whatever it is uh, back together. Hamish is no longer with Ubisoft. He's with uh, another company, another studio, but you know, we can all hope uh, one day we can pull him back in maybe for division three. Um, but for year six, I, I still with division two, I don't think there's a year six. I I think I, uh, th- there's even an implication in the roadmap of year five in the final season it implies that they're going to do it says something along the lines of like a seasonal reboot or something um and what i assume that's going to be my thought is they're going to implement a system where they can replay all of the seasons from the last you know four or five years and be able to put in uh modifiers and do things to make replaying those seasons more interesting the division one replays all of its seasons as well um, and their global events and stuff like that, but they're exactly the same as they've been since they came out where I suspect what they're going to do is try to put division two into kind of a, uh, a retirement mode that still gives some new content, maybe some new rewards, some new, some modified versions of previous content. Um, and then I think they're going to start on pre-production of division three, uh, because I imagine this is all going to happen around the same, t- same time that star Wars outlaws releases, uh, star Wars outlaws has most of the division two team on it. And I suspect that once they finish that game, they'll be moving on to make division three. I'm still pretty confident in that. It seems like a lot of people think that division three is a, a dream. I don't think it is. I think it's a, uh, borderline, uh, assumption at this point, but maybe I'm wrong. We will have to wait and see but season five or season one year five was okay i think season um three and four probably probably gonna be the the real bangers uh, but two has definitely some features i'm excited about second to last story here a destiny 2 announces keith david as zavala's a voice actor so uh, after the passing of lance reddick that was um really odd um he um i believe passed away of a heart attack even though he was not very old and he was in like really good shape. And, um, you know, literally one of the one of the like kind of weirdest and one of the like kind of saddest things I've seen people post was uh, after he passed people on the Destiny subreddit who were um, friends with him on whatever PlayStation or Xbox, whatever he played, I noticed that literally like the night before he passed away, he was playing Destiny. Like this guy was Lance Reddick was someone who um, really lived the character and like was a genu- was was a legitimate part of his community and actually played the game he voices in and things like that. And so his death was obviously really tragic. I think there was a lot of worry or confusion about how Destiny was going to handle his passing, his character Zavala, um, from my relatively limited Destiny knowledge, is a mainstay in the in the series and is like the main quest giver and and kind of uh, the the kind of leader uh, in in many ways of of uh, of the groups that you're a part of. And um, you know, I'm sure some people felt like, and even I to a point felt like it would be kind of weird to continue on that character without such a such an iconic voice actor. Um, but they pulled in Keith David. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's been a ton of things and in a, a ton of properties, both uh, on film and in video games. Uh, my reference for him is Anderson in uh, the Mass Effect series, uh, and so uh, he probably is the one of the only acceptable replacements for Reddick. It's going to be interesting, um, you know, how they transition to him. But they've already said they. Won't be re-recording any of Zavala's old lines that they'll be using everything from Lance Reddick. They can, uh, but they will be moving forward with Keith, Keith David. And even though maybe getting rid of the character could have been the right move, it also seems like it would have been a pretty insane rewrite to make that happen. And it seems like they're treating it respectfully. And I think that's all uh, people can ask. Then the fi- final uh, topic here is actually about this podcast. So um, I've been talking about this on the Discord. If you aren't part of that, please join. Uh, you can check out the Linktree link down in the description uh, or check out uh, my Twitter accounts and stuff. Um, get in there and, and get into the conversation. Um, I, I'm going to rebrand the podcast. Um the identity of this podcast, I, I feel like, it's still really wrapped up in the division. Um, the, the 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 term "the Echo Cast" is referencing the echoes in uh, the division games, which are these kind of like flashback things. There are these like compilations of data um, that um, that you kind of would collect and, and and see what what happened in these situations that were recorded by security cameras and cell phones and so on. Um, and back when i switched the podcast from being a division podcast to a you know more general podcast and gaming as you can even see if you're watching this video or if you've seen the branding um like the the echo or all of my branding used to be the division orange and and then when i switched i i think i went to blue and then i've been on green for quite a while um and that was always to try to kind of get away from that like you know, you would see it, you would see the echo, you'd see the orange and just assume it's a division podcast. I tried to generalize it more than that. And um, I just, I think that that's kind of run its course to a point. Um, I, I don't think like, if you just see the echo cast, uh, you don't really know what that means. Like, okay, like, what well, what is that? I even added to my podcast name, a video game podcast to try to make it clear what it was. Um, and I just think at this point, the 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 podcast isn't a division podcast anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. And I think it would make sense to maybe kind of have a, a fresh start. And so my plan is by the 250th episode, which is only two episodes away, um, is to have a rebranding plan in mind, probably a new name of the podcast. Um and um to to do that. I, I'm I'm open to ideas. Um, I've had I'm I'm brainstorming myself I'm trying to figure some things out on my side to figure out uh, what uh, may may look good and sound good and be representative Um, you know I want to try to include you know I I think about what this podcast is it's about video games it has a focus on the division and mass effect and probably starfield soon and and things like that Uh, even Baldur's gate three at this point Um, but I'm a solo podcast that's a fairly unique thing I have always tried to sell it as I'm a small podcast and I'm a single person. I'm I'm one individual solo podcaster. That means that, you know, community interaction and listener interaction is supremely important because it's the main feedback and the main way we can kind of go back and forth. And I, I just don't think the current branding and vibe around the podcast really supports that. So. If you have any ideas or any opinions or thoughts about uh, a change at all, or, or what we could change it to, or maybe some inspiring thoughts, uh, please hit me up, uh, either, uh, on my Twitter at bond diesel, uh, at the echo cast in my discord. Again, you can get the link in the link tree, uh, over on Instagram or threads or in the YouTube comments of this video or anywhere. Um, give me your feedback. I'd be really interested. Okay, let's move on to some listener questions. Uh, if you have your own question, be sure to use the Google form questionnaire. Ask in my Discord, in the YouTube comments, or hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at The Echo Cast. Uh I missed uh, Master Prime's questions last week, so I kind of combined them here. And we're going to do kind of a rapid fire thing here because I need to go get ready for my daughter's birthday party. So uh, Master Prime asked, uh, has your opinion changed on turn-based combat? Uh, This is in reference to Baldur's Gate 3, I assume, and it has changed just a little. As I've learned how it works, I'm understanding mechanics a little bit more. I'm still not as creative as you really need to be with this stuff. Um, I'm finding it tolerable at this point, um, even though I still don't love it. Uh, And then the follow-up to this was, would I try others? Probably not. (laughs) uh, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is uh, the type of game that um the rest of the game is so good i'm willing to tolerate this one part of it Uh, it's very similar to my feelings on the division Um, i love the division games i love the gameplay the story the lore the environments all of that i actually don't like the looter part of it I, i think that it's takes away from the game quite a bit so uh oddly enough some of my favorite games are games that i really dislike one of the core parts of those games Uh, master prime continues here how do you think content creators will tackle starfield um i don't know i i think uh, games like baldur's these rpgs that are story-based baldur's gate 3 um starfield when dragon age comes out when the next mass effect comes out they're weird games for content creators in my opinion because so much of the fan base doesn't want spoilers so you have to be careful making gameplay videos or streams and things like that. Um, really, I think the best things to do are to make videos about like, here's how you do this thing. Um, like, so if you run across something that is uh, somewhat challenging, I've been seeing this with Baldur's Gate 3 especially, that you make a quick video about, hey, have you been trying to do this? Well, here's how you do it. Um, or... If there's a story beat or if there's a character that crops up, that is really interesting doing a video focused on that, where I think at least at first you're going to find a lot of people don't want to watch playthroughs and stuff like that. Now, with this game being exclusive from PlayStation you may have some content that maybe that would be workable where you're going to have people who are saying like i'm not buying a pc i don't feel like buying an xbox i'll watch someone stream this game or i'll watch their playthrough videos and maybe that's where that can play at the end of the day how do i think they're going to tackle it i think i think you're going to (laughs) see you're going to see content creators doing everything they're going to be streaming they're going to be Uh, trying to do worlds first who can beat it first who can you know discover the most secrets first who can do all this stuff um i think it's gonna be a deluge of activity it's gonna be um a ton of crappy content probably but definitely some diamonds in the rough i'm sure uh I, i just i think it's I don't think people realize what kind of freaks Bethesda fans are, including myself. So uh I'm I'm definitely uh excited to make some content myself about it and to uh to see what else uh what other people are gonna do with it. A uh, next question for Master Prime: did Baldur's Gate 3 gain praise due to its nudity? Um, I, I think its willingness to be an adult game definitely um attracted some people to it, including myself um i don't necessarily care about seeing pixel boobies and stuff like that it's fine i mean i I don't like it's not real like and i'm i'm a married man in my mid-30s it's not like this is my first boob i've ever seen so um you know it's not like that's like a huge draw to me but to me it's just the the implication that the game is going to treat its players like adults and that it's going to um address adult relationships and themes and stuff like that um that's what the nudity always implied to me and that's why i actually liked it even though i don't really care about the nudity itself um in fact it's like a little bit comical at times depending on the situation uh next question is what era would you like to see the next battlefield be in i want to see them continue the, the the near future take um especially if it means they're going to slowly approach a battlefield 2042 or um 2142 uh, sequel or reboot or something because um that game was so cool uh because it was very i mean there were like mechs and these big like space harry like these big like air harriers and you know just this like really advanced tech that was still really grounded and it was very cool um i'm hoping that uh and, and the rumors are that the next battlefield is going to take place just not too long after 2042 so i don't know if it's going to be like you know 2100 or something that they'll do so they'll be able to start showing us some of those more advanced tech things Uh, because even in battlefield 4 they started showing some of the future tech that one of the maps of battlefield 4 was like a prototype uh, build location for one of the giant ships that is in 2142 and so I'm hoping that they're going to kind of continue that vibe of and hopefully the next Battlefield game just focuses on being a Battlefield game and isn't so concerned about trying to be everything else. But it would be really cool if they try to split the difference between 2042 and 2142, drop something right in the middle there and let us you know deal with a little, more, little bit more future stuff, but still have like AKs because AK47s are going to be used for the next 200 years probably. And then master prime's final question should the switch Two exist yeah it has to it's um it's it's way past due in my opinion um i've you know had the maybe somewhat controversial opinion that um nintendo games shouldn't get the pass they get for looking so awful and running so badly and for the switch not being able to get basically any third-party games on it um I understand that it's it's not the dev's fault that their games kind of look bad and run bad and stuff like that, um, but it is Nintendo's fault. Nintendo, uh, I think I said it recently in another, in another podcast, like they literally sit on games for years that are done just so they can release them at the time that they're going to make the most money. And that's fine. They're a business. The point for them is to make money. But if you make your product... If you allow it to be kind of subpar in, a, in some big ways just for profits, I think that sucks. It's going to happen. Nothing's going to change um, because I don't even expect I suspect the new switch is going to be based on like they probably could have released it two years ago. And that means that it's probably going to be outdated the day it comes out. And then we're they're going to be in the same boat they were before. But here's the thing. The Switch has sold like 150 million units. Nintendo doesn't care. Nintendo doesn't care if it's behind, doesn't care if things look bad and run bad. Because more than likely, the Switch 2 is going to be outdated almost as soon as it releases. And Nintendo doesn't care because it's probably going to sell 100 million units still. Like, it's just Nintendo has that power. They, they have that that fan base. They have, uh, you know, all those things. It's just, it doesn't matter. So, Switch 2 should exist. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to get one. Um, I I missed out on the switch and in the last two or three years, I just refuse to buy that outdated crappy tech. And so I'm hoping that this new one is more relevant and I am looking to get it because I suspect the little one is going to be getting into games sooner than later. And there's a bunch of Nintendo games I've missed out on basically since like the N64 that I would love to dive back into. Okay. We have a question here from, uh, Anna, um, Do content creators have a responsibility for their community when all they do is feel negativity against the game or a studio? Um, She kind of specified and I kind of summarized here. Um, uh, specific creators who focus on negativity without anything constructive or useful with an attitude of like an arm, armchair dev. Yeah, I, I absolutely think uh, content creators are responsible for their um, communities. Um, one thing that's really uh, that I've noticed in the last uh, few months, um, I've been browsing on Reddit, the the r slash uh, popular, the popular subreddit. So it's not actually a subreddit, it's actually just a it's uh, all of the most popular posts every day get put into this subreddit. And one, I, I kept coming across um, this one particular, extremely large, well-known streamer. His, his subreddit, as well as a couple others, would pop up. And every single time I would click into the comments, whatever the topic was, it was always the most vile, like racist, bigoted you know everything phobic, just these like really toxic, really just super disgusting people, and the creator themselves is somewhat controversial, but not not that bad. Like at least not that I've seen. Like they're like kind of a douchebag, but like I've never seen them express this stuff like explicitly. But then you see that in every every single time you would click into their subreddit post just the most vile stuff you've ever seen and obviously you can't judge like I said before you know about the whole thing with Baldur's Gate 3 developer panicky stuff I, I don't want to try to imply that every single person in their community is like this but you are kind of what you reap a little bit and, and I think that creators um, especially creators who have kind of given up and have just decided to become these toxic dirt bags because it is profitable it's what Anna says in her message and that uh, I've seen it happen a hundred times in the division community, but now even in the Mass Effect community and others, where you see these these content creators, they they have a voice and they want to make videos, and they'll make some build videos and kind of some you know kind of lighthearted commentary on the game and stuff. And it seems like everyone hits a hits a crossroad where they can go down one path, where they continue trying to grind it out and make fairly positive videos and constructive stuff, and 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 never get too clickbaity and things like that. Or they can go the other way, where they become hyper-negative, hyper-toxic, super clickbaity. And the honest truth is, is that that path is way easier. Uh, it's easy to get anger clicks on the internet. And it's really hard to get happy clicks on the internet. And so if you aren't willing to fully sell out to negativity, you're going to have a tough time with making content whether it's streaming or videos or whatever, the division community is notorious for this. you will have this little streamer, this little content creator, you start to get a little bit of attention. And just like 99% of the time, they realize that if they just go full toxic, They have, there, there's a built-in fan base for that. And people can't wait and will just jump all over it. And there's a bunch of content creators even today in the, in the division community who are these like the most toxic, awful human beings you could ever interact with. And they weren't always like that. At one point they were decent and now they're not. And it's because they sold out and, and you know, fine. That's their choice, but it sucks. It's awful in my opinion, but here we are. So yes, I do believe content creators are responsible for their communities to a point. Uh, YouTube's asked a question here, said, uh, Mass Effect question, when it comes to squad customization, um, team selection, cosmetics, armor, weapons, skills, bonuses, uh, what do you feel are the must haves, should haves, and nice to haves for the next Mass Effect, uh, to not only keep up with the bar set in previous Mass Effects, but also in the games made by the time it releases. Um, I mean, this is one where I do kind of think that like Baldur's Gate 3 thing, hopefully will impact choices they make, um. Mass Effect Andromeda, and I believe even in Inqui- uh, Dragon Age Inquisition and likely Dreadwolf seem to be following this path where like your companions are like, com- like you can't really do much with them or to them. Um, Andromeda being the game I have the most experience with, you can't even like direct them to do things other than move, and like I just really hated it because their AI sucks, and so that is a bummer. But like something that was always so fun about. The Mass Effect games, the trilogy, was that even though they weren't turn-based, you could use, you know, like your your teammates' powers and stuff like that and and kind of make it like a hybrid turn-based game. Because when you go to select the powers, you know, time stops and you can set up multiple things to happen at once. And then it all happens at once. Um, That's uh, actually something I wish was in Baldur's Gate. I I wish that you could queue up multiple actions by your whole party to all happen at once, rather than than the like completely turn-based action that that we've ended up getting. And so I think a must have is, and and not even, I don't even have any should or or nice to haves. I think having full control of your team selection, your cosmetic their cosmetics their armor their weapons their skills their bonuses i think we should have complete control of all of all of that um and, and i really hope that, that that's something that they can get to because um i, I think that's been one of my favorite things about um alters gate three It's just that complete control so we'll see and that's where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm, I'm happy for any feedback on the show or anything else. Obviously, like I talked about the rebrand, please let me know what you think about it in general. If you have any of your own ideas and any of the places where you can contact me, uh, please do it. Uh, you can find me all over, all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including over on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, threads, and on Twitch. Uh, where i do stream on twitch a few times a week so please come check me out over there i would love to be able to chat live uh, if you want to support my content check out patreon.com slash bond diesel subscribe over at twitch or check out my merch at the link in the bottom of the description it's the link tree link that's all i have for this one so until next time all the time, all the time, the time, all 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 the time, all